Listen to this. Zakamani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Zakamani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Side by Side. Uh, we took last week off, Thanksgiving, but we're back. And unfortunately, we do have to recap uh, what happened in the playoff game. And this is, in many ways, a season wrap-up show. Much more premature than we would have thought. Um, you know, we all sort of assumed, you know, I think if we're honest deep down that we'd be hosting a game this Sunday. Um, at home, probably to support in Kansas City, but both of those teams no longer in the tournament now in the playoffs. So we'll get to that and then would love, would love, love, actually at this point, I'm going to go on Twitter all weekend just to hear people's thoughts. Um, I've avoided it, but would love to hear people's thoughts. But um, let's get to it. I mean, I don't want to go first because I, I don't know what I think about that game because I actually think they were very unlucky. I'll say that. Yeah. And it's one of the weirdest matches I've seen where a team not even... You know, not a shot on target, but not a shot, uh, like, at all. And win, it seems very harsh. And, you know, we can go back and question lineup. Should Raul have played? Should this have happened? Should have played more? Um, I think the Sounders did almost everything right. They didn't play great, but definitely enough to win. And, you know, you won't see that kind of game again for another 20, 30, 40 years where a team doesn't shoot and somehow wins on a penalty shootout. So those are my initial thoughts. Um, extremely unlucky, but... You know, when the dust settles, it would be viewed as a successful season for what Schmetzer was able to accomplish with. I mean, some of the obstacles were out of this world. And in the same way, it's a letdown, a disappointment. Um, the team failed in the playoffs because of the standard of this club. It has to be said. But as time passes, it will be viewed as a successful season, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, you know, we're going to see this ultimately as a failure. Um, this is a tough one to swallow going into, you know, season-ending meetings. A lot of guys out of contract. You know, Raul doesn't start. Now, now you're starting to hear the chatter online. So the implications go beyond just the team not making the, the next round. The implications boil down to what this roster will look like next year also, which is pretty yeah. crazy to think about that. I think oftentimes we, you know, when we're in a season, we look at the team as a whole. And we've been able to break down what this um, what this roster has been able to do over the course of a really difficult season with a tough with a ton of injuries, um, with a ton of lineup changes, with international duty, guys going away, not coming back, the same player that they went for international duty, guys getting injured at the end of the season. And we have always talked about how resilient the team has been, um, especially in the beginning part of the season. Thirteen games unbeaten, right, which is an MLS record. And then you go into the middle part of the summer where you have to make roster changes and, and plug in guys that you normally wouldn't and you get you keep continue to get results. And you're in first and second place throughout the majority of the season. Then the last eight games, things just kind of fell apart. And we talked about, no, this team has the, the fighting spirit to you know advance in the playoffs and, and still make a deep run if, if guys get healthy. And now we're in a situation where you know, you're starting to hear chatter online about Raul, is he going to come back? Um, if this team would have advanced, I don't know if you hear that chatter. 
Um, so the implications go beyond just not making the next round of playoffs. Um, at this point, you know, unfortunately, this team is going to have to make a bunch of tough roster decisions. And maybe those are easier to um, kind of hash out if the team had made it farther in the playoffs. You say, okay, maybe we make the sacrifice to keep this team together for a longer period of time. Who knows? But I think to really break down the game, um, you know, I was at the gym Tuesday morning and I, I was gone for Thanksgiving and Charlie Martin was their former uh, wide receiver for the Seahawks played quite a bit. Uh, you know, he's the vice president of wheels up. And so I get to spend a lot of time with Charlie, a good friend. And he was like, bro, what was that? What just, <laughs> you know, his son is five years old, six years old, and he's starting to watch soccer and play youth soccer. So he turned the game on and he was like, was that, he doesn't know anything about soccer, but he was like, is that the tactic to sit back and say, he was like, bro, they didn't have any shots. Like, is that even possible in soccer? And I was like, look, they literally came in and played for the tie. And he was like, that actually happens in soccer. And I had to break down the whole thing. So yes, Salt Lake came in, they sat back, had, you know, 10 guys behind halfway, let the Sounders come forward, absorb pressure. You try to play for the counterattack, but they were actually happy to sit back and say, no, we didn't even have a shot. At the end of the day, the result is what matters. And 2016 was evident. Um, we still talk about it, you know, five years down the road is, you know, no shots on goal. Um, and you get out of Toronto with, with an MLS cup. Uh, we're still talking about that result. So it's not necessarily in the playoffs is, is how pretty it is. It's just, can you get the result? And that's the bottom line. I think a crazy, you know, stat is Philadelphia is the only one to advance with a, with a home game. And that happened in extra time, extra time, extra time. The rest were uh, road teams winning to make it to the conference uh, semifinals, which is insane to me to think about um, that home field didn't really matter in this, in, in the biggest game so far in, in MLS playoffs. So disappointing all around for sure. The players are obviously reeling to lose and penalty kicks and, um, that's always a difficult one to swallow, but man, 20, 21 shots to zero is, is unlucky. Absolutely. Um, you know, looking back on it now, you ask yourself, how did they not win that game or get out of there? Yeah. Have you guys ever seen angels in the outfield? No. Yeah. Um, well, it kind of felt like we were like the bad guy team and every, like we should have scored but some mysterious angel was like preventing us from like, cause it doesn't make sense. 22 shots on goal or shots to zero. And you watch the run of play and you watch that game. I mean, it's just clear, like we were just yeah. unlucky and that's what happens. And credit to Real Salt Lake for coming in with that game plan, like Brad just laid out and executing it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. Not only against the Sounders, but they did it against Kansas City. As yeah. Well. well, and they don't. I mean, that game, they were the better team for 90 minutes in that one, I would argue. Yeah. Yeah. I have no problem with what they did. I mean, they, again, they come in to face a better team. Moments before kickoff, we get the announcement that arguably their best player, best attacking player at least, he's out because of COVID protocol. So 
Yeah, I, I mean, they came in and said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to win this way. We're going to lose this way. It's no problem. But we cannot go toe-to-toe at Lumenfield with the Sounders. We can't do that. So we're going to just make it as hard as possible defensively, hopefully go on the counter. If not, we're taking this to penalties and we're going to try to win. And I don't know what if you, if you guys have opinions or not. I have no issue whatsoever with the goalkeeper from uh, Borough Salt Lake. Um, he's playing a role. He's leaning into it more and more. He's making comments. Look, at some point, he's going to end up with pie on his face at some point because you're a goalkeeper. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to, someone's going to chip you. Some, something will happen. But he's riding this wave. He talked, you know, crap about Kansas and he goes there and they win. And I'm sure he's going to do the same um, before they face Portland as well. And I've, you need characters like that, especially in this league. You need more personalities. So um, I have no issue with what he did. It's annoying facing him if you're the Sounders. Um, but yeah, he's, he's not even that good, in my opinion, like to be talking like this. But um, he's playing a great role. And I mean, it's, you know, congratulations to Real Salt Lake. I think for the Sounders, it's disappointing. Um, the question I will ask is, assuming Nico uses the offseason and gets fit, Raul doesn't go, gets fit. Jordan gets fit. I mean, does this team need upgrades? Or is it, I mean, where do you, where do you improve this team? Assuming everybody's fit and then the guys like Kellen Roll and Atencio become your depth as they were supposed to be in the first place. So you're not depending on them for 28, 29, 30 games. Maybe it's, they're going to start 10 games and the rest will come off the bench because Nico does play 25 games. Raul does play 30 games. Does this team need to sign anybody? Is there any position of weakness if everybody's actually fit? Um, yeah, I still think that this team, I mean, we have to remember Champions League is coming up right around the corner and that's going to be yeah. the, the third, second, third week of, of February. So um, I, I still think that you need one or two high, high quality players either starting or coming off the bench, right? Alex Wildon is out of contract. Now, it, can, does Kellen have the legs to do what he did again and, and, fill in, and really play one role consistently on that right flank and be a right winger? He, he definitely has showed that he can. Um, but do you want to rely on Kellen to be that guy? If you lose Alex, I still think you need a really good right winger to come in and provide shit, really good service throughout the season. I think Nico signed a new contract last year, right? So I think he still has two years left on a deal. So yeah. he's going to be here no matter what. And he, you know, the question is, can he get fit for next year? And I think given this amount of time, I think he can. Um, and they just have to be concise about his minutes and where and when he's going to play. Maybe he's a 60-minute player now. And give us 60 minutes, and that's all we need from you, at least for the first, you know, 10, 15 games of the season, and then build into, you know, full match fitness, you know, in the latter part of the season. But um, – you know, I still think there's a lot of question marks around the roster. It looks like Ariaga's option has been picked up, so he's going to be here for the foreseeable future. Um, now, I still think we need a center attacking mid if Nico can't go. We need someone of really high caliber to come in and, and run the midfield, especially to make a run in Champions League. You can't, you can't do it with a makeshift lineup. Um, you saw them compete, you know, in um the summer tournament down in vegas and competed really really well i thought and if that you know if the guys can play like that on a consistent <laughs> we're good new fully fit healthy is going to help tremendously 
Um, but yeah, I, I still think you need a couple attacking pieces to make sure that if these guys go down, that you're still competing at, a, at an extremely high level. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm, I, I don't think, and, and I've not talked to Schmetz, not talked to anybody on the coaching staff, but um, I don't think they're going to stay with the same formation. I think they're going to go back to a 4 2 3 1. I yeah. think because, yeah, I think this year you had to, because even with Jordan coming back, you can play him up top. I think he's much better on the wing. You want to get him isolated. Um, I don't think he's a wing back. So I, I think they're going to go back to 4-2-3-1. Jordan will be the starting left winger. You can, they can always switch into a 3-5-2. They know that now. Or 5-3-2, whatever the case may be. They know that. But I think for actually the personnel of this team, it probably suits the 4-2-3-1 a bit better. Now, who does he go back to being a left back again? I mean, that's going to be... All I can see because you're thinking, yeah, man, Ariago and Shane will fight for the three center back spots. So you're going to tweak some things, but I think I'd rather get the most out of a Jordan Morris. Um, Nico, if he plays, put him in the 10 role. Um, I think the 3 5 2 worked. You were plugging a lot of holes, but I don't think you go forward next year saying Raul and Jordan will be our two forwards. We're going to play. I don't. They, they could. I just think Jordan in that role on the left, the whole thing they used to do with Nico coming across the overload. Um, we could see a combo of both, but I think four-two-three-one is going to be strongly, strongly back in consideration. Even if it means maybe putting Nuhu now, we know not his best position. He's a centre back um, in the back three. He's not a left back because he doesn't give you enough um, quality in the final third. I don't think still, but he can lock down anybody if he has to. So that's going to be a big question um, to see what they do there. Yeah, you can upgrade a couple of players, I think. I, I, I still think, you know, at full strength, you know, I'm convinced Raul will be here. I'm convinced, you know, we know Nico will be here. Obviously, Jordan's here, Christian's here. The core is fantastic. It's a really, really good team. And in with many years ahead of them still, you know, those guys are mid to late 20s, um, approaching early 30s. So, you, I mean, in football, never, in, in sports in general, it never goes that way where you keep a team together for so many years. They could be on their last legs as a team. You know, how many more years does Raul and Nico get to play together? Maybe this year is the last one. And it's like, look, as good as you guys have been, do what's best for your career. We'll do what's best for us. You, it always happens. Nothing surprises me in sports anymore. But I think as presently constructed with one or two additions, I don't think you need anything crazy, assuming everybody stays fit. Um, I think this team can go for another run. I think I really do. I really think you know, what the quality of the group is, um, is built for another run. And Jordan were full season, Nico were full season, hopefully preseason under their belt. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's a very, very good group. When I look across MLS and think of other teams, I think we still have players here that would walk into most other teams. Um, Raul, you know, Nuhu, Christian, Jordan, Nico, Steph. These guys will start for most teams in this league and we have them and good pieces around them. But, but we shall see. We shall see what happens. Yeah, I think, um, like Steve, the most disappointing thing is we never saw the best iteration of this team this past season, like no. you're saying. No. So it's tough to say let's blow it up when we didn't even see it this year. Yeah. Um, before we come back to the Sounders, any thoughts on the playoffs? I know, Brad, you mentioned you know, the home teams. We're struggling, yeah, not, not taking advantage of that. But in general, I don't think there's been any – I don't think you could call it upsets in MLS when, you know, the first seed – is three points better than the fifth seed. It's all close. It's not like any team ran away. New England, for sure, ran away with it. But in the West, I mean, I don't think Portland winning in Colorado is an upset. I don't think. I think Colorado was a higher seed, but 
I wouldn't call it an upset. I think Portland could absolutely go there and win. They have Sebastian Blanco, you have Valeria on the bench, you have Diego Chara. I mean, that's a good team. So I don't know if anything's truly surprised me about the playoffs. Maybe it's Salt Lake winning in Kansas, to be honest with you. I think I'm shocked that a Peter Vermees team was so timid and didn't really show up in a playoff game. I'm so, especially seeing the Sounders lose and knowing they now have um, home field. If you know, that, that was surprising to me um, to see Kansas. But in general, I think the playoffs, it's MLS. Nothing really surprises me in the MLS playoffs. Yeah. I, I mean, I think looking at Kansas City's roster, I think defensively they still are in. Um, I, don't, I don't think that they were ready to win an MLS Cup defensively across the back line completely. I think they have a couple really good players, um, but they didn't have any standouts. I mean, to win MLS Cup, you have to have a stout, stout dedicated defense. Um, I think probably the biggest surprise was watching New England win, uh, New England lose. Um, I thought that, I mean, New York City FC is good. Yeah. Really good. And they went in there and, and made New England, to me, look like an average team. Um, and Bo didn't look, he, he must be injured or something uh, because he did not look like himself and that's a best 11 player. Um, New York City's ability to um, negate Buchanan and really get in his head and tackle him hard and make him play um, with too much attitude um, was, I think, you know, he, he scored a fantastic goal, but I think if he's a bit older, a couple years down the road and a bit more um, composed, I think that he has the ability to take over a game and he's just not there quite yet. Um, and, you know, Carlos Gil didn't, or Hill didn't turn it on until later in the game. So that was probably the biggest surprise for me. And I thought New York City FC played, um, played fantastic. And uh, they're, they're, they're a really good team watching them play. They play good soccer. It's tough though, because their guy's got a red card suspension next. Right. Next match. Yeah. I don't see us, you know, I don't see them beating Philly and Philly without Castellanos. Um, Who's your favorite so far? Who's left, yeah. guys? Who's your favorite? I was gonna I'm gonna go Philadelphia. Um, I think Philly, but Philly. I, I yeah, I could be wrong here. I think Portland might be the highest remaining seed. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I think yeah, so Portland, I mean Portland's hosting. I mean, it's opened up quite well for Portland, but uh Philly's then, a two seed, NYCFC is a four, and Portland's a four. But but here's my point. Yeah. In the support shield standings, Portland got more points than Philly, no? Yeah. I think you're right. Yes. So Portland would host. There you go. Yeah. So there you go. I think, but they don't have Blanco. Asprey is out as well. So, and Salt Lake is Salt Lake. Maybe this is their destiny. I don't know. So, but if I'm Portland, I, I'm thinking, look, we, we have a clear path to an MLS Cup. You know, Seattle's out. Kansas is out. Colorado's out. Like I, I, I would love my chances, but um, I don't. I think Philadelphia. I think they're a good team. I'm surprised we're losing Aronson and McKenzie last year. They still, they found themselves. They're a good team. You have a really good coach there as well. So, I don't know, man. It's MLS. I you can't predict this stuff. I mean, it's 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 so tough to predict. But um, probably Philadelphia. And but the path has really um opened up for for Portland. I would say, um, all right. Final thoughts on sound of season. Um, let's wrap it up. Kind of. An overall, taking away just this one game, the disappointing bitter pill of losing in a playoffs that way. Um, if you were in that locker room, Brad, as captain, as you were many years, many seasons, a week removed, a week and a bit removed, how would you view the se- as a whole the season? Um, um, we said, you know, unlucky. Was it a bit of a success because Schmetz had to juggle? The least Cup went well. You have so many players emerging. Atencio 
came out of nowhere. I think Leva had a pretty good season. Kellen Rowe did well. Alex Rowe, there's so many positives. Um, ultimately fell short, but, you know, broke the MLS record to unbeat his game to start a season. Um, just, it became, I think, too much for Schmetz to juggle. And I think I said it on social media that it's not injuries. It's who the injuries happened to. I mean, knew who missed a chunk. Nico, Raul, Steph was gone for a bunch of the season. Christian was gone for international. So it, it's very hard, I think, for any team to replace one of those guys, having to replace three or four at that time for multiple games. I think it just caught up to Schmetz and then losing two assistants as well. But um, yeah, as a whole, how what would be your sort of reflection on the season as a whole? Yeah, I think, you know, at, at the point of stepping into that locker room, I'm sure that guys were, were obviously upset and pissed. Um, and then you kind of reflect and you've got your team meetings. And as the captain, you sit down with the coach and you have to kind of take a step back and look at the bigger picture. You know, as, as a young player, you're really just evaluating yourself. You don't, you don't really care about the team. You care about the team as a whole, but your goal as a young player is to, you know, have development and, you know, show that you deserve to be there over the course of the season. So guys like Atencio, Leva, like you said, your, your, your meeting is, okay, what do I need to do to get better? Um, as a captain, you go in and you say, okay, let's break this down together and go over the season. And, and like you said, you highlight certain aspects, certain faults in the season, what we could have done better. Um, maybe you sit down and you ask yourself about the coaching change and you say, did that really affect us? Did it not affect us? And you kind of say how it did, especially, I mean, these guys in the locker room have a better sense of, of what this group looks like with, you know, a Jimmy and a Gonzo than we could ever say without it um, and, and being outside looking in. So I think that was probably, I hope, a, a big talking point between the staff and, and the players, especially the leaders on the team. And I think overall, looking at the season, it was, you know, it was a very, very successful season. I think that our fans are spoiled in that we haven't ever had a losing season um, and so we often, as a club, we always basically just look back at one game in the playoffs that we get ousted on. And that's our measure of success. And to really reflect and look back on that, that is massive um, in the culture of this club and, and a luxury of what that is to look back and say, oh, yeah, and in 2021, we lost the penalty kicks. But you don't really talk about the rest of the season in the 13-match unbeaten streak, Steph being out for the whole season just about. Um, you lose Xiao Paulo at the end of the season. Raul's coming back from injury. So we're spoiled, and but that that's the standard of this club. And, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, we're always going to be judged by that last game. And it's always in the playoffs. And it's basically either we win the MLS Cup or we don't in the playoffs. So... Um, you know, but, but realistically, we can sit there and say maybe we needed more help in summer acquisitions. And now we can go into next year and say, look, we have to anticipate that guys are going to get injured at pivotal moments in the season. And how do we set ourselves up for success at those moments? I think this team is good enough to plug in guys in the beginning and middle parts of the season and get results when other teams are missing high-performing players. But we need help when it comes to getting into the playoffs and making a deep, deep run. This team is, you know, when we're at full strength, we're highly – the odds are in our favor to win MLS Cup or at least be at MLS Cup. But if we don't, 
it's really hard to beat teams when they're at their best and when they're at full strength, especially when it's heightened in the playoffs. So how do we set ourselves up for that? We have to make better signings in the middle of the summer that are imp more impact players, um, not projects. So I think that would probably be the biggest talking point in, in an end of the year meeting. My main thing is I think this team handled, faced a lot of adversity and handled it extremely well. Um, and I think that it's sort of encouraging that without our core players for most of the season and without getting to see the best iteration of this team, we still were in first or second place throughout the entire season. We lost a playoff game in which we were the better side. We were. I mean, truly, it was a lot of bad luck. And again, congrats to Real Salt Lake. But I mean, I'm an eternal optimist, so I'm always going to look at the positives. But I think that there's a lot that happened this season that we learned a lot of lessons and we can take a lot of those lessons and move them to next year. And Sounder's story is not one season. It's ongoing. So it's not over. Yeah, I agree. Um, Joao Paulo MVP. Of the league? Team. Oh, of the team? Um, I think so. I mean, yes, but I think Raul at full strength is the most important yeah. piece of this team. More than Nico? Right now, yes. Yeah. I mean, Raul's wow. ability to perform without Nico and 17 oh. goals is insane. If you were to add <laughs> I think he probably has seven or eight more. Yeah. But, you know, my my thought right now is Raul is the most valuable player on this team. Um, Jao Paulo is a fantastic, fantastic player, but if you don't have someone that can bang 15 to 17 goals, you don't find yourself in the position that the sound of green back. Yeah. You know, that's just well, crazy. Raul almost beat the, or almost set the Sounders single season goal record without Nico this year, which is nuts. Yeah, we, we had him being the first to break the 20-goal barrier, and he would have um, yeah. if he didn't. You know, I think it was one point him and Chicharito were scoring every week. Then they, I think they both had some injuries. Raul started going away, and he would have. He, he definitely would have got, I thought, I thought, 22, 23 goals. And it wasn't to be, but no, it's a good point. I mean, I I want to see Nico back because just, he's, he's just he's ridiculous. First of all, he's unbelievable. Um, at his very best, but no, it's a good shout. You have a guy who scores double-digit goals every year, almost with his eyes closed. You can't really replace that value. So overall, I think we're all in agreement. Um, tough pill to swallow, bit of loss, but good season. Good season overall, and with lots of lots of room for improvement. And you know, you got to say the future is always bright at this club. The stands are so high, so we'll see how the team bounces back. Um, that'll do it for us. Um, for, for 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 now, that'll do it for us. I believe um, if. And when there's any big news or big roster announcement, so there's like a, you know, we're heading into the preseason, we'll definitely, definitely be back to do a show to, um, to cover that. But um, for now, that's the 2021 season in the books. It's been a weird couple of years, but I think that for me, the highlight was getting fans back in the stadium too. I think that made a big difference. Um, we had so many games last year with no behind closed doors. It was weird having the fans back. Um, it, it was it was great. It was really, 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 really great. Let's get to over and under, and then we'll be out. All right, now it's time for over under, presented by Emerald Queen Casino. Over under 
the seed that ends up winning MLS Cup. So we talked about how it's a bunch of lower seeds, so the seed number of the team that's going to win. I said over under 3.5, Philly is number two, NYCFC four, Portland four, RSL seven. So if you guys think Philly is going to win, then I guess that would be under. But over under 3.5 is the seed. Uh, I'm going to go under, even though there's way more chance for it being over, but I'm going I'm to go under. I'm going to stick with Philadelphia. All right. Um, over, under, and I hope you guys didn't look this up, but they just released the MLS Best 11. Sounders players who made MLS Best 11, they just released it. Over, under, 2.5. I didn't see it. I did. <laughs> uh, three. We had three guys in Best Three Best. guys? Who? We had Raul, we had JP, and um, I'm for, Yamar. Oh, okay, yeah. I can see that, yeah. Okay, yeah. wow, that's good. Yeah. Yep. And last one, over under, um, will there be any more penalty shootouts in the MLS playoffs? I said over under 0.5. Any more PK shootouts to end MLS playoffs? Over. Yeah. Three games left? Yeah. Three games left. Yeah, that one of them will go to penalties, 100%. Uh, this has been over under, presented by Emerald Queen Casino, the betting capital of the Northwest. Last one of the season. All right. As always, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for engaging on social media. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, like, comment, subscribe, all of that good stuff. And we will be back probably in a couple of weeks, maybe a little bit longer, um, looking at some roster decisions and previewing. It's going to come so quickly, um, the 2022 season, especially with Champions League. But it's been a pleasure. And congrats again to Rostock Lake. Um, I'm lucky for the Sounders and excited to see what this team does in the offseason and how they bounce back.